Podcast ain't played nobody. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38Godfrey on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, we got another, uh, it's a week of college football. Um, we have some bigger stuff on the horizon. And because of that, today, when we talk to Bud, we're going to uh, push it and actually create some future lines because um, Bud's numbers are giving pretty accurate projections right now. He's doing very well. So we'll go through the tasting menu with Richard. We will find you a way to best consume this week of college football. However, uh, we're also going to do a little look ahead for week six. It's already week five. It's amazing. It makes me feel strange. A um, couple housekeeping notes. We will not have a midweek show next week. We will still have the hurry up on Sunday. We will still have this here tasting menu that will come out on Thursday. Uh, I will be on assignment next week. I will be out of Nashville. Um, I will be in the field for a project I have been trying to work on for, no kidding, six years. Six years. Um, I will be gone for a while, so it just uh, logistically we're going to have to punt on the midweek show, we will be back, though. You guys have been great about supporting the hashtag AskPAPN show where we do kind of off-topic stuff or just do a roundtable. Um, we're still going to play around with that format, too. We're going to have some more coach interviews and and just people interviews, too, as we get closer to the offseason. Um, let's see. This week, I will be doing the Instagram Q&A early on Saturday morning. Um, everybody wanted to call it the dad life or the dad this, but there's just as many moms out there who are up at ungodly hours, who remember what it was like to roll out of bed, make a Bloody Mary, and start watching football. And those days have long, long since left us as death creeps closer and closer. So um, I'm just going to call it college football for olds or something like that. Anyways, that's over on the Instagram, uh, the Banner Society, at Banner Society Instagram. If you have not already, sign up for that. Sign up for the Read Option newsletter. We continue to put a ton of exclusive stuff. Exclusive. As in, you're not going to find it on the website exclusive material, really awesome stuff, like good, good blogs. They go straight to the Read Option newsletter. You can sign up by going to bannersociety.com. You give us your email address, and uh, root around your social security number. You know, I'm going to do some stuff with it. Um, I think that's it on plugs. Enjoy week five. I promise you. I, I It's like I have to say this every week. Every time it's a lackluster schedule, you guys know what's going to happen. It's going to be fine. We're here to help you. Oh, one thing. We're still working out the viewing schedule because there's so many platforms to watch games on that when we pull the television schedules, they often miss games. Case in point, when you get to Bud's segment, we will talk about Cincinnati and Marshall. That got omitted from the tasting menu because it's on Facebook because of all these wonky distribution deals, especially in like Conference USA and the Mountain West. So sometimes we skip these games on accident. We don't mean to. We're going to do a better job culling all the different viewing stuff together. And actually just, you know, making it sort of like broadcast agnostic. Because if you listen to this show and you celebrate college football, you're just as likely to watch a game on Facebook or Stadium or some other Wobegon app as you are to watch like the SEC on CBS. So um, my apologies if we missed your G5 game, if it's buried under a mountain of like paywall access, obscure crap. We're going to do a better job there. But uh, Cincinnati Marshall, it's going to be an interesting football game. Uh, that's it. Enjoy week five. Tasting menu time, Richard. Uh, we are regaining a little bit of respectability on Thursdays, and that's what's most important. Um, we have one FBS matchup, but it's a good one. Uh, always fun to watch uh, contrasting styles, and that's what you're going to get when Navy goes to Memphis at 7 p.m. Central Time God's Time Zone on ESPN. I will be in a car. Where are you going? 
I am going uh, to New England with the significant other, I believe. Oh, nice. Um, you know, this is the beauty of the YouTube TV and the ESPN app. You can probably get a decent little stream as you go up there. Um, what do we know about Navy this year? Not a lot yet. Um, <laughs> they run the option. <laughs> um they have fallen from the prestige position of the academies and of the triples, and that's okay. I don't think they've regressed as far as we might have thought last year. Um, this is going to be a nice little measuring stick for to figure out how good Navy is. Um, they definitely kind of lost their shine with Army getting attention in big non-conference games the last couple of years, and I think that's because Navy is in the American Athletic Conference, and they well, play Army's, really, really... But, I mean, Army's sexy. Like, look what Army just yeah. did to Michigan. Like, look what Army did to Oklahoma. Like, you know, it's it's not just that they're scheduling the big out-of-conference games. It's that they're not necessarily winning, but looking really, really damn competitive. Um, Should have won both those games against Oklahoma and, uh, and Michigan. Definitely should have. Um, Memphis is good. Memphis trounces Navy. I'm going to start talking about Memphis being the best G5 team in the country. I'm serious. Oh, buddy. I'm serious. Oh, buddy. Because you got a resume. The, the chance, we talked about this on the hashtag AskPAPN show with Bud. You cheating on the murder smurfs? It's just the resume boost. The potential bounce you get from conference play in the American is still that much more significant than it is in the Mountain West. And you can't really argue that. We This is sort of the year of the Mountain West because we saw a lot of really great non-conference wins in the first couple of weeks. But, I mean, there's just better teams, you know, that flat out. I mean, you have, you have Memphis, you have Tulane, you have a one-loss UCF that we've sort of jokingly, for funsies, written off, but... Obviously, still quality. You have undefeated Southern Methodist. Um, th- there's football here. I mean, there's the top half of the American is still so much better than anything else in the group of five. And the problem for Boise is there's just so many bad teams still in, in the Mountain West on the bottom. And the bottom half of that conference has got to get better. I am waiting for Memphis to impress me um, before yeah. I get there. Memphis played a rock fight against Ole Miss week one that nobody thought was going to be a rock fight. Um, they, I'm giving it, I'm giving that the week one qualifier. Okay. That's, that's a week that's, one qualifier. That is fine. Um, blew out, I believe Southern week two. And I know that they beat uh, what may be the worst uh, team in college football, South Alabama last week. Um, at least in the bottom 10. So I, I don't know. They, they did what they were supposed to do against South Alabama. Okay. Now impress me. Um, okay. Beat beat Navy handily. Be able be able to handle the changeup because it's it's not like you're Michigan and you play Army once ever. Like you have Navy every year, and it's the same regime with Mike Norvell, et cetera, et cetera. At, at some point in time, you have to know that game plan against Navy because Navy ain't doing anything different. Nope. So pull that game plan out the file that it's been in for the last 11 months, um, the Navy game plan. Pull it out there and and make sure your Jimmys and go make sure your Jimmys and Joes can execute the X's and the O's and 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 beat Navy handily. Impress me. Then I'll like, then I'll I get like the, your. I like that the Gen Z co-host that we added to the show used one of the oldest colloquialisms I've ever heard in coaching. I love that one. I love that one. Honestly. Your oatmeal's on deck. Um, <laughs> let's go to Friday. Uh, interesting Friday. Richard, is this right? Is this that's, Friday schedule correct? Yeah, that's why I said it honestly may not be. And that's why I said before we recorded, 
where are my Friday games? Let me let me pull up let me pull up the side spreadsheet because if this is right, that uh, will be something. All right, so I am currently looking at the FBS slate yeah, for Friday we, night we, on our spreadsheet. I, it is incorrect. So I will, I believe, take the reins here. Uh, first and oh, foremost, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. LSU, LSU football dot net. This is this is right. You sure? Man, I'm keeping all this in the show because this is how incredulous I am at this Friday night schedule. You ready? I'm I'm now on the of what we did is we create a spreadsheet so we can flow through and do and do the tasting menu faster. Uh, we're technically cheating on LSUfootball.net where we mine our information from, but directly on the site, which we consider to be gospel in college football. Um, Duke is at Virginia Tech on ESPN at six. Penn State is at Maryland on FS1 at seven. Weird. Uh, and then San Jose State is at Air Force at 7 on CBS Sports Network. And then Arizona State, less weird, is Arizona State at Cal at 930 on ESPN. The weird one is the Penn State, Maryland. That was the one where I was like, are, did we screw this up? That's Yeah, no, I saw that there and I was like, oh, God, I may have sorted this wrong. Um, is, weird. Is, uh, is that the Big Ten's one Friday, not one Friday, but the, the Friday night thing? Is that what I this guess is? So. It's, uh, it's Fox trying to stretch out their inventory across different... Uh, Different time slots, and I get that. Um, I will say this: proud of Penn State for going on the road against an ACC team. Uh, Zing! In late September. Um, yeah, I, look. If if you're gonna pick anything out of this, I'm gonna pick the one thing that you that is gonna I think surprise people. I'm looking at Arizona State and Cal. Um, Whoa! Wait, you you're gonna pick over Penn State and Maryland? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pick okay, Arizona State right. and Cal. Preach. Uh, the. For everything we think about this league and and talk about this league, I'm looking right now at the two teams that are are very clearly telling you um, that they're going to play the game in a different way. They are going to be the changeup on your schedule. Cal more so than Arizona State, but if Herm Edwards can have his pick every day, they play games that finish with, with less than 28 points aside each game. Um, that that's I think that's how he would love to play if if you gave him the truth serum, but he does understand that that he does have to adapt and and he has his defense has what they actually um kind of coolly call the the Tillman position for Pat Tillman, it's like a third safety um you know a lot of these defenses have hybrid positions a lot of them end up being defensive end linebacker hybrids um this Tillman position that they have is I mean essentially a big nickel um a hybrid safety corner type thing um even though Evan Fields who who is the starter at the position is not that big. Um, he's not as big as like a Drew Tranquil from Notre Dame or, or something like that um, was last year. He so yeah, I, that's what I'm looking at. Uh, Cal or uh, Arizona State's defense did not get to really play Lavisca Chenault last week. He went out hurt, I think, in the second quarter of that game. Um, so they didn't get the full experience of Colorado. So yeah, I, I want to see essentially how both these defenses hold up over 60 minutes can they hold the line the whole game all right well we can do a double recommendation on friday just because of the time slot <clears throat> it allows itself for that so your arizona cal is at 9 30 penn state and maryland uh i did my second tier i've heard things on the twitters about my second tier during the hurry up again just trying to like synthesize a bunch of information from saturdays and give you a broad overview creating that second tier richard has drawn folks's ire I've gotten some Iowa anger. I've gotten some um, 
various West Coast anger because I didn't, I guess, dif- differentiate better, better differentiate all these different teams in the Pac-12 that may or may not be good. But then also I got Penn State people saying, hey, what about us? I don't know about you. I don't know. I don't know you. Here's what I know. Okay. Here's what I do know about you. You were asleep against Buffalo and woke up. You beat the shit out of Idaho. Congratulations. And then we all saw the pick game, especially the ending. Okay? But hold on, because perhaps the Pitt super weapon was running a field test during the Penn State game to fire against UCF. I mean, I guess, but even in the context of that joke about the Pitt super weapon, isn't that more offense oriented? Yeah, but you also have to ugly that game up. You also have to muddy that game up. I just I don't think Pitt's defense is necessarily should be holding Penn State to 17 points. And again, when you combine that with what we saw with Buffalo, it's kind of the same situation. And so here is what I'm interested in. I'm interested in Josh Jackson. I'm interested in a Josh Jackson that was electric and on fire and then poof, disappeared for one game against Temple. Temple, really good, by the way. They're going to throw him Georgia Tech. Te- I mean, Temple Temple got after him. Te- so, like, look, Temple got after deal. him. I like Penn State's defense. I think Brent Pry is doing a really good job. I don't know about this offense yet. And if Maryland scores early, this is a big, 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 big deal to Maryland to beat Penn State at home on a Friday night with a new coach. Um, I like everything about watching this game. I think it could go either way. I think that it's a narrative builder in both directions. And holy smokes, would this change some of the recruiting uh, pablum around the Baltimore-Washington area where Penn State does a lot of their eating. Hold on, say it. Say what you want to say about that area of the country. What what do you mean? The Tidewater. Tidewater. No, not not even the Tidewater. Not even the Tidewater, honestly. Uh, Although, I I mean, they do do work in the Tidewater, but I mean, I'm talking about specifically – uh, Maryland, the state of, and then Baltimore, DC, right? That, that little, that little area, beltway area, um, more football talent comes out of there than you might realize if you're a Southerner or a Texan and, or honestly, even in the Midwest, look it up. Uh, Maryland made a higher one because they had a crippling scandal and they had kind of had a flatlining program, but also Maryland made a hire being very, very conscious of the fact that they were not making waves in recruiting. This is how you make a wave in recruiting instantly is pulling off this upset. This is to me a very exciting game. So, I mean, it like I don't have I don't do like game of the week or any shit, but like very excited. And I, I will say this awkward setting on a Friday night. I'm I'm thankful for it because then you get to watch it basically uninterrupted. Because um, we should make a quick mention that Duke I guess could beat Virginia Tech, and that could start that could start the beginning of the end there in Blacksburg. But uh, definitely the picks on Friday night are Penn State, Maryland, FS1, and then in that with a nightcap of Pac-12. We're really a Pac-12 podcast now. It's kind of terrifying. Coastal Elites. Coastal Elites. Coastal Elites, that's right. Um, Saturday. Hey, Saturday. All right, let's see how bad you are. Actually, it's not that bad. Uh, Arkansas and A&M still playing in Arlington. I think pretty much everyone on that deal hates the fact that they're playing that game in Arlington, by the way. It's 11 a.m. on ESPN. Uh, Buffalo goes to Miami of Ohio on ESPNU. Central Michigan plays at Western Michigan, CBS Sports Network at 11. Uh, The old Kansas Jayhawks go to the Texas Christian University. Uh, Right after I got done talking about how much I was into TCU, 
they lost last week. They're on FS1. Uh, Holy Cross goes to Syracuse on the ACC Network. Middle Tennessee State goes to Iowa on ESPN2. Northern Illinois is here in Nashville at Vanderbilt. And Northwestern is at Wisconsin, 11 a.m. on ABC. Rutgers is at Michigan. Yuck. Um, <laughs> poor, poor Rutgers, man. Oh, man. That's an adjustment week. Texas Tech. Hey, football fun. Texas Tech goes to Oklahoma on Fox at 11. We now move into 1130 on the ACC Regional Network. RSN, whatever. Stop at me, podcast. <laughs> Delaware goes the Blue Hens of Delaware <laughs> with the better Michigan helmet than Michigan, but not as good as Princeton's. They go to Pitt. Uh, we'll skip ahead. And actually, I'm going to cut it off there because we're going to move into the 2 o'clock hour. Um, I want to, I like, I, I'm not telling you to watch Rutgers, Michigan. Um, please, please don't. But I will say I kind of want to pay attention to it because <laughs> I want to see what frustration Michigan is able to let out against Rutgers. Um, in the last three years, which is your uh, favorite Rutgers touchdown uh, against Michigan? Is it is it the first one or or maybe the second one or perhaps the third one? Because that's all they've scored against Michigan in the last three years. Um, Michigan's thrown up. Is it, a, is it a touchdown each year? Uh, no, it's actually seventy-eight to nothing, twenty sixteen, thirty-five fourteen, twenenty seventeen, forty-two to seven last season. Um, yeah, I, I if Michigan is going to get it turned around um, at all, I think a a harbinger of that may be an absolute decimation of Rutgers. Now, Rutgers comes out and scores twenty-one points. maybe there's some issues there for Michigan. Maybe there's some more issues than we realize in a sense of maybe they're not going to be able to get this figured out in the next few weeks. I think Michigan, I think the schedule after Wisconsin for Michigan opens up and that starts with Rutgers until they clunk to a loss later in the season. So I have, we have to pick a game here. Do we? Uh, Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. And I don't feel good about this. Um, if you haven't noticed Wisconsin, then maybe this is a good chance to notice them. Like I know every, the thing is, everybody watched Wisconsin, Michigan, so chances are you're you're abreast of the situation at Wisconsin. Um, Northwestern is not going to put up much of a fight there. I I they think got that whooped by Michigan State, who might be bad. The challenge for Northwestern is literally scoring points, a touchdown. Yeah. If um, if Northwestern scores. If Northwestern scores more than two touchdowns in this game, I would be surprised. All right, we're not going to pick a game. There's no uh, no gun to my head. Uh, flip around. I don't know, man. This is the most like this is the most go to brunch slash go to Lowe's slash. No, I really will go to that kid soccer game on a fall Saturday. Like this is this is it right here. Sleep in if you can. If you didn't procreate. Um, this is not good, guys. And that's okay. You know what? We don't have to tell you it's good when it's not. So North, Northwestern's offensive S&P, 126th yeah, in the not country. Score a touchdown. There Never are 130 mind. teams in FBS college football. The best That was the best I could offer up. It's still pretty bad. Um, I don't know how good Buffalo is and Miami, Ohio is it. No. Damn it. This is hard. Uh, yeah, just go to the store. Saturday morning grocery shopping, low-key underrated. I put that up on the Instagram Q&A. If you ever want to knock it out, get up real early on a Saturday or Sunday morning. Um, 
Yeah, <clears throat> that's about all I can give you on that shift. All right, let's move quickly to the exit. Uh, let's go to 2.30 p.m. Central Time. ABC has Clemson in North Carolina. Florida Atlantic is at Charlotte on the NFL Network. Georgia Tech goes to Temple on the CBS Sports Network. Indiana is at Michigan State on the Big Ten Network. Iowa State goes to Baylor on ESPN. Interesting game. Uh, Minnesota is at Purdue on ESPN2. Uh, oh, man. All right. Snuff films <laughs> on network television. Ole Miss goes to Alabama uh, on uh, on CBS. Good job scheduling that one, dummies. Uh, USC goes to Washington on Fox. Virginia is at Notre Dame at 2.30. Wake Forest is at Boston College at 2.30 on the ACC network. We now move into the 3 o'clock hour. And the Southern undefeated Southern Methodists uh, are, I'm just going to start calling them the Southern Methodists, <laughs> at South Florida, <laughs> at USF on ESPNU at 3 o'clock. Florida hosts Towson. Real quick, Richard, where's Towson? Maryland. It's in, nice. Yeah, it's in, yeah. Is it is it in yeah. Baltimore? No, uh, it's right outside. Okay. Good job. Um, okay, skipping, skipping. Let's go to. We'll stop there because we're just. Well, this is a nice, clean, bi-week laden schedule where I can start. I can start again at six o'clock. So, um, uh, the banger is. Uh, man, I hate to say this. Um, Virginia Notre Dame. I mean, have fun with that. I don't. I mean, here's the deal. I want to find out how good Virginia. Virginia is another doorstep team to tier two. Okay. They're good. Oh. Are they okay. fun to talk about? Are they All fun right. to talk about? No. Have they Have they done everything in front of them? Yes. How would we talk about Virginia if they beat Notre Dame? I mean, I look. Okay. All right. All right. Right. All right. right. I will. I will. This is a team that trailed Old Dominion last week, by the way. <laughs> this is a team that almost honestly gave away that Florida State game. I know that Florida yeah. State also did its best to give away that game, but Virginia yeah. also did its best to give away that game. Um, it, it's not my pick. It's just a, hey, well, let's watch and see how good Virginia is against a good team. Um, every Notre time Dame. I talk about... Like every time I talk about Notre Dame, I'm like, I, I'm trying not to sound like I'm being condescending about the whole like, well, you look good in a loss, but like, bro, you look good in a loss. Got to bounce back. Got to bounce back off it. I like, I think if Notre Dame can, if Notre Dame can like put up some points in this game, like I'm talking about like Notre Dame comes out and say, hey, like it was just Georgia's defense that, that really frustrated us, really held us down and really snuffed us out. Um, can really legitimately like put up some points on on Virginia on a Virginia defense that's going to be feisty. Um, yeah, that's what I'm looking for out of Notre Dame. How do you bounce back from a pretty disappointing game? Um, this is in South Bend. Where is this game? Yes, this is in South Bend. Okay, this is in South Bend. Um, I will have that on the second screen. The main screen for me will be watching Baylor and Iowa State. Whoa, another curveball! I thought Whoa. you were going to say USC and Washington. No, right, tell me, that'll tell me about Baylor and Iowa State. Um, so look, I, I, if Baylor is going to be a dark horse in this league, you got to show me something here. Okay. This is it. Um, I like it. This is the, this is the game where if Baylor is going to take a step, be a dark horse in this league to maybe make the conference title game, ruin Texas's season, play Oklahoma in the big 12 title game. Um, this is where Baylor can show it. Um, this is also where our, excuse me, almost knocked over my computer. Um, this is where our minority, uh, coordinator of the week 
comes in. Jeff Nixon, the OC at Baylor. Um, I want to see how Baylor's offense attacks Iowa State's defense. Uh, Baylor's offense is is really versatile. It's kind of hard to pin down like what exactly they do. They run out of the I formation. They run out of spread. Like they do a point. They do a lot of stuff. RPOs. In, uh, inside or outside zone with bubble screens attached, all that type of stuff. Um, now, Iowa State on defense, Iowa State's defense is like kind of pioneering a different way to stop spread offenses. Um, How so? They, they, so they run this, what it's called, the tight front. Basically, it, it at, at times it literally looks like they have five players in the box. They have three down linemen, a zero technique over the center, and then both of their uh, defensive ends will be like in a three technique uh, between the guard and the tackle, or they'll be head up over the guard and the tackle. The po- or, uh, oh, Excuse me, head up over the tackle. The wow. point there is to control the gap, the interior gaps, and force everything outside. When you only have five or six players in the box, if you can hold up those interior gaps and plug those and force everything to bounce outside, you have more perimeter players to clean up stuff on the outside, faster linebackers uh, and DBs, et cetera. This is in vogue now. Clemson runs this defense. They would have ran it last year if they didn't have four absolute killers on the defensive line. Yeah, but they Clem- need to. But Clemson now runs this defense. Venables has switched to this. Um, that's why you'll see you'll see a lot of Clemson literally running what looks like three safeties um, on the back end of their defense. They are able to do that in part because they're able to plug up the holes up front with this tight front. So this is in vogue. Texas runs it a little bit too. Um, this is kind of Iowa State's thing. This is how they're able to frustrate a lot of defenses over the last couple of years. Uh, how does Baylor attack that? Can Baylor have success attacking that? Um that, that is what I will be watching in this game. I'm very interested to see what type of success Baylor can have, if any, against Iowa State's defense. Um, Indiana and Michigan State. Sure. Uh, I have a dog <laughs> like, and two children, and what that means is that often you smell poop and you don't know where it's coming from. Where's the poop coming from here? Okay. I feel like it's around. I feel like one of, you team, one of these teams here, there's poop. Okay. Uh, I don't know which one. I'm interested in this game specifically because there's a pretty obvious bar to clear for Indiana and Tom Allen and whether or not a change would occur, and it would be making a bowl or not making a bowl. Pretty simple there, right? Often, uh, not often, I think pretty much every time I talk about Michigan State or it comes up on this show, we start to kick around this idea of Mark D'Antonio retiring and someone else coming in. They've been bad uh, at a lot of things, namely offense, the last couple years. This is a swing game. It's not an anxiety bowl because nobody's going to get fired for losing this. I don't think, I I mean, I think if Tom Allen gets fired, it's going to be down the stretch. But just Indiana's three and one, Richard. If they win this game, they're four and one with going into a bye and then Rutgers. You would have to assume that they could win those games and find somewhere else, Northwestern, at Purdue, somewhere else to get that elusive sixth win, right? You kind of have to have this game if you're Indiana. And if you don't get this game and it's another season of 5-7, and seven, I think you might see a change in Bloomington. Uh, conversely, are you going to get back to being the old Michigan State that was winning the Big Ten, or are you just kind of in a slower decline? This is another thing I'm, I'm looking to identify. Well, look, they, like D'Antonio's 
Um, D'Antonio's remedy for the offense last year was rejiggering the whole offensive staff. He didn't fire anybody. Right, but so, it didn't really work. I that's mean, Northwestern might just be bad this year. That's what I'm saying. But the thing is, look, they clunked against Arizona State, scored seven points. Yeah. Like, no, they were awful. They were awful against Tulsa to open the season. I think 14 of those points came off of uh, turnovers with the defense. Like, they're not good at all. Um, here's the other situation for Michigan State. You lose this game, you have to go to Ohio State and to Wisconsin in back-to-back weeks before a bye and then Penn State. And that's it, man. So you really need this win. Um, again, not technically an anxiety bolt. Damn near close, though. It's weird how these things pop up on you. Um, SMU-USF uh, you, for me, yeah. I want to – look – it, I do not know if USF can keep up with SMU. No. Um, There's no way. And that is going to be an issue for our friends in Tampa. Dude, USF had trouble stopping Georgia Tech on drives. That is going to be an issue for our friends in Tampa. Yeah. yeah. Um, what should we say about USC Washington? <laughs> I'm pulling. I'm pulling the class here. Um, I, like, I, like, does anybody really expect USC to win this game? Is yes, it, I, I think it's. I think, it, oh, I think it's entirely possible now because USC is now. They've hit peak entertainment. That that there is their critical mass on entertaining. Now, is it entertaining in a good way or a bad way? I don't know. TBD. Is but it after, fair? After Utah and BYU, I have a total. I have a complete and total expectation that they go to Seattle and win by fourteen. Is it fair to expect USC to win this game? You think? Fair? No. I just I expect the most insane and log- and and like whatever the most illogical slash entertaining outcome is at a USC football game this season. That's what we will get. Um, I don't know what Washington is. Was it a blip against Cal? I mean, is it is it just a program that schemes you really well and you're snake bit against them? That would all make sense with Wilcox, but like, we'll find out. You got to make a big ass statement here if you want to get into any kind of conversation other than "Hey, looks good going into Oregon" in a broad narrative sense. So, very curious here. Um, all right, uh, kind of a kind of a buffet style here, but only four or five really good items. So let's go more of it's more of a family style approach. I'm going to pass around a little bit of uh, Virginia Notre Dame, a little bit of Baylor and Iowa State, and then you can kind of pick and choose from the sides. Um, last uh, last thing on USC is I yeah. I do think Matt Fink's going to play again. Yeah, um, looks like so. I like man, I want so badly for USC just to do this, like try the same thing they did last week, like just throw the ball, just chuck the like wh- like what do you have to lose at this point? It's it's well, almost at that point. I mean Washington is, I mean. It's a probably better team than Utah, but even as I say that, I'm just like, no, no, you're right. USC is going to do, like I said, weird, zany shit on offense that probably ends up working. Combine that maybe with an ill-timed turnover, something horrible, Washington just shoots its toe off. Yeah. We're going to talk, hey, let me say this. We're going to talk about Washington here soon if they lose another game. Because yeah, the air buddy. The, the air with which they carry themselves through college football. Right. This expectation that we are considered to be in a playoff conversation, a you know, a Rose Bowl in a bad year shit that's cropped up the last couple of years. We don't want any media, but we expect to be spoken of highly. Like proof of concept, bro. I don't see it. Anyway, let's move to uh dinner time. Supper, if you will. Uh scooting through, let's start at six PM Central, ESPN Extra slash ESPN three. 
you just figure it out on your own. I don't care. <laughs> Louisiana Tech goes to Rice. Uh, watch out for La Tech in the G5. Not the best, but in the conversation. Uh, 6 p.m., Mississippi State goes to Auburn. Texas State hosts Nichols on ESPN Extra. Uh, Oregon State has Stanford. Ooh, hey, that is an assy game. We'll come back to it. That is an assy game. We will come back uh, to it. UConn goes to UCF on uh, ESPN2. <clears throat> UCF's going to exercise the demons. Yeah, Colorado State uh, is at Utah State at 6.30 on CBS Sports Network. Kentucky goes to South Carolina. That's a swing game on SEC Network. Uh, still at 6.30, NC State goes to Florida State. That's an interesting game, too, on the ACC Network. Ohio State goes to Nebraska at 6.30 on ABC. Somebody's going to try and tell you that's going to be a good football game, and they are lying. Dude, I like, holy hell. Lying. 7 p.m., Fresno State goes to New Mexico State, and then also at 7 p.m. We have a short evening slate, so I'll cap it here. At 7 p.m., University of Nevada at Las Vegas goes to Wyoming. ESPNU, by the way. Uh, Man, Ohio State-Nebraska is gonna be i think not a football game something i still don't know about ohio state i like i think when does ohio state play a football game like i don't want to discount totally nebraska's chances because i do think that offense is rounding into form um and getting near what i think scott like we i think we talked about functional nebraska a few weeks ago um, I like. I think it's getting near what Scott Frost wants it to be on offense. It ain't that near. Counterpoint, Chase Young. By the way, this is why we don't talk about Ohio State yet on this show. Because all I can say is, man, that offense is really good. And then you, all right. I was bullish on Cincinnati. I was. I will say this. It happens. Though, I will say but, this. This is the stupid ass game Ohio State loses. This, this one. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to lose. I'm saying when you look at the balance of the season, this is the Purdue of last year. This is yeah. the game where you come in and you're like, Ohio State, win the game. It's either this or Maryland. Where you're like, oh, see, oh, I think I think the dumbest thing possible would be that they go to they actually after everything I just said they go home next week and lose to Sparty. <laughs> That's some dumb there shit. There is precedent. Right? There is precedent. Okay. I don't feel like the ingredients work here because people we we have pockets of unsubstantiated Nebraska hype that we have to beat down every week. So, um, I think yeah. even Nebraska, like Nebraska fans, know, right? Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they don't. All right. Uh, we got to pick some stuff here. Um, um, yeah. I'm not going to watch this, but Stanford, Oregon State. Stanford. Yeah, say what you want to say. Stanford's a three-point home favorite over Oregon State. That is something. Um, Miss, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stump for Mississippi State-Auburn. I, like, uh, okay. give me a second to figure out why. But uh, well, here I'll go back to Stanford, Oregon State. I think that, like, we, you know, you know, you guys know diminishing returns. Stanford, da 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 da. I, I, I kind of think Stanford deserves a touch, a touch of leeway, given this whole they got like four or five linemen hurt. They have like nine remaining linemen on the roster. Half of them are freshmen. Like, I, look. Look, I, I will give Stanford a little bit of rope 
to figure that out. Um, you know, I, I think that Stanford's interior offensive line play against Oregon affected the passing game. Oregon's, I think, two nose tackles were absolutely wrecking what Stanford was trying to do, especially with the downfield passing game. Because if I'm if I'm the quarterback and the center's in my lap, I can't drive the ball downfield. I, I can't can't step into a throw. I can't move up in the pocket. I, I can't push the ball downfield. Um, you know, what I wonder about that, the alternative is Stanford obviously runs a lot of screens. Does Stanford really have the athletes? Now, yes, against Oregon State, they probably do. But um, do they have the athletes over the balance of the schedule to win with a horizontal offense in space? I don't really know. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give Stanford a little bit of leeway, but Three-point home favorite against Oregon State is odd. It's uh, here's odd. What, here's my fashionable argument for Auburn. Um, I liked everything about their road win at AM. I like everything. I, I like the way in which they're they're bringing Bo along, okay? Mississippi State is a completely different defense and therefore football team when they have Willie Gay. When they don't have Willie Gay, they are a, a a solid tier below in the Southeastern Conference. We don't know if he's going to play. I keep saying this over and over again, but of the tennis players that were suspended for that the uh, Tudor scandal, he is by far the most important. He made his debut, although he did not start. I think it was just like a semantic thing against Kentucky. That was the first time we've seen him this year. State's defense was really, really good against Kentucky, completely different than what we saw against Kansas State. This is at Auburn. I would favor Auburn. I, would, I think Auburn's going to win a game. If Willie Gay's in this football game, and, and we we because of the way this is all shaken now with privacy laws, we, we will not know until the game starts, uh, and then maybe even a drive or two later. Uh, Mississippi State definitely has a chance in this game, without a doubt, because the kid Schrader that's playing right now, the freshman with the huge neck beard, um, is really fun to watch, and they are starting to wake up and look like the Trace McSorley, Joe Moorhead offense from Penn State. So this could be really fun. It could be Auburn slamming them because Auburn's defense is so good. Um, but again, we just have to have those couple ingredients from Mississippi State to make this an interesting game. Um, Houston, North Texas. What a fucking week for Houston. I mean, that has been such a mess. You know, if you look, they win or they lose, sorry, they lose the absolute wild uh, game against Tulane last week. Yeah. Um, and then week four, after you play four games, that's when you're starting to see redshirt announcements or redshirt moves um, all across the country. Houston, it, it starts to leak out that Houston's going to redshirt Derek King. Derek King's dad goes on Twitter and says Derek King is transferring uh, midseason. Derek King then says, hold on, maybe I'm not. I've got a meeting with Dana later this week or uh, later today. He has that meeting. He says he's going to stay. Whether that means he's going to stay and transfer in December or whether that means he's actually going to stay for the duration and play again next season for Houston remains to be seen. North Texas. North Texas's offense has not really clicked. Um, you know, we, the Mason fine that we thought was coming into the season Hadn't really shown up against the two actual teams that they've played. Now, Cal's going to make a lot of teams look bad, but scored 17 points against Cal. SMU, I mean, I guess SMU's defense a little bit better than we thought. They lose that game 49-27 to uh, in the Dallas Bowl. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Houston's Iron had a skillet. ton. Iron skillet. Houston's had a ton of distractions this week. I don't think SMU's clicked yet, or I, I don't think North Texas has clicked yet. Um, keep an eye on it. Keep an eye. Um, on it. 
I'm gonna call buffet for dinner. Screw it. It was family style for lunch. Don't don't look, man. The bit can only go so far. Okay. Are you? Saying, I mean, are there's you, not a dominant game to watch here, so everyone just bear with me on the gimmick. Okay. I would not tune into NC State, Florida State until the fourth quarter. Correct. In which case, Florida State will either but then, have but the Richard, lead and then lose you it. have to tune in. Right. You exactly. have to watch the end of that game. Exactly, because Florida State will either have the lead and lose it, or lose the lead and gain it back. Because that Florida State has done that in every game this season. Okay, so like with State and Auburn, Mississippi State and Auburn, just check and see if Willie Gay is playing. You're going to know pretty quick if Auburn's going to roll them because I think Auburn's defense will tell you that, okay? And then you're kind of done there, and then maybe you flip over, like spend a minute with Kentucky and South Carolina because that's going to be a really interesting swing game. And I, this is a game now South Carolina really, really needs. Um, Kentucky's won this game, is it three years in a row? It's been like Kentucky's kind of owned these guys. So... Um, <sighs> I guess the whole time. I mean, look, there's no need to watch Ohio State, Nebraska. Just you can just track it, right? Well, I mean, the thing is, if it gets squirrely, if it gets yeah. squirrely, Turner. Look, if that game is, if that game is closer than you expect at halftime, maybe, maybe pop over. All right, no, I'm calling it. This is a total flip around. Total flip around evening. You don't have to anchor anywhere. That's it's totally okay. We got to do the night shift and then get out of here, Richard. There's three games basically. Washington State at Utah, FS1, 9 p.m. Central Time, Hawaii at Nevada. I'm going to try and pronounce those as annoyingly as possible for both states to get mad at me about on Twitter. 9.30 ESPN2 and then UCLA at Arizona at 9.30 on ESPN. Uh, best games, obviously, Wazoo at Utah. Boy, howdy, that losses. is going to be something. Styles and styles, right? Yes. Styles yes. and styles. So, um just like we opened talking about the different, you know, contrasting styles usually make fun games. Uh, Washington State going to Utah will be, uh, I don't know. It's just when you when you have strength on strength and they're so diametrically opposed in their style, I feel like you're going to know right away who's going to own the tone of the game. I think I like Wazoo. The pure gut. I got nothing. Pure the gut. Wild, the wild card here is I don't know if Zach Moss is going to play or not. Yeah. Um, Zach Moss, it, I think what Utah showed last week against USC is if Moss doesn't play, that offense immediately becomes so much less worrisome for our defense. Um, that's what they showed against USC. Now, on the flip they side. They have never been able to just put the right ingredients together at the right time to complement what they do on defense. On the flip side, there is Washington State's defense. And if you watch that game yeah, last Yeah, it burn week, down at any second. Exactly. So, I I don't know. Keep an eye on if Zach Moss is going to play. Actually, keep an eye on Tyler Hunt, if Tyler Huntley is going to play, too. Keep an eye on who takes the field for Utah on Saturday night. Uh, keep an eye on UCLA maybe getting their second conference win in a row. All right. All right. Salty. Uh, Wazoo, Wazoo, Utah is definitely the evening pick there. Um, it is a, uh, a workman-like week, but I guarantee you, like I always do, in the absence of the big names, in the absence of the marquee, uh, college football produces wonderful little weird flowers all over the schedule. It's going to happen this week. Richard, I will see you on the hurry up. But Elliot, you're really falling in love with the hashtag AskPAPN. Um, it's like an infection that you never get rid of. You've, you, you, wanted, you, just, you did all the questions on Wednesday. Now you want to start the segment with a question. I'm loving it. I'm, I'm feeling good about this. And it's not even about the G5. Um, have we entered, bud, a post-Blood Week era? 
That is, has the upper class of football. And then in parentheses, we have Bama, UGA, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and then probably LSU, which, by the way, that's my tier as well. Uh, have uh, So the upper class of football puts so much distance between itself and the next tier of teams that we will see fewer and fewer big upsets as that upper class keeps getting richer, so to speak. Well, I think it all depends on if you mean this year, probably. Uh, if you mean for all time, uh, I'm, I'm not convinced of that, right? We, no. we have other teams that are doing a really good job who, for whatever reason, may not be putting it all together you know, in, in this given year. Uh, but for this year, I actually talked about this in a newsletter that, that I sent on read option, I don't know, maybe about two weeks ago now. And this year we definitely have – it's more chalky in that none of these non-chalk teams are, are going to win a title. Uh, but it's less chalky in that it's not just Bama Clemson. So I'm actually kind of excited – uh, somewhat to see all these teams battle each other, probably with, with zero or one loss uh, in the playoff. And some of them actually are going to play in the regular season. But last year, if you think back, like Ohio State still had this talent level, but they also had the Urban Meyer situation and some guys on that coaching staff who probably needed to be let go and were. Um, and like Oklahoma just had absolutely no defense. This year, their defense is not good by any stretch. It's just not like completely horrible. Yeah. Um, you know, LSU last year had about the same amount of talent on their team. They just their offensive coaching was horrendous again. And uh, this year it's not. I would be so, I would be fascinated to obviously this is this is an abstract idea, it won't happen, but I do think there is such a great difference. There is such a, an easily defined line this year between this group and everybody else that I mean you have what, one, two, three, seven here. I think you add one more team based on how conference play shakes out in November. So maybe it's Auburn, maybe it's Wisconsin, you know, one more team in some way, shape or form. Maybe it's Oregon. Maybe they don't lose again, whatever. And then you run those eight teams out in a playoff because they are just so much more superior or you run six teams and you give the best team, you know, Clemson a bye. I don't know, whatever. Um, this is, but do you see any way, shape or form that a team that we have not just rattled off makes the playoff? Like, I mean, this is it, right? I mean, if you if you gave me this versus the field, I'm I'm, I'm taking this. Yeah, for hard. for all um, four slots, I just I don't I don't see anybody yeah. else being able to break in again. I think because of the because of the depth of the teams that we just spoke about, obviously Bama and Georgia would play each other, or Bama and uh, or sorry, excuse me, and LSU or Georgia would play each other, depending on how that shakes out with the SEC. But you don't have a lot of canceling out here. You have identifiable stars in Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma, and then you have you know, this triumvirate in the Southeastern Conference where I think one or maybe maybe still two of those teams come out. So if you are Oregon with one loss. Oh, no, the Pac-12, not a chance. Washington with one loss. Um, Texas, Wisconsin has a chance. Yeah, if they're undefeated. It, it, there's a scenario in which they lose to Ohio State on the road at Ohio State and then get them again in the Big Ten title game and beat them. In a redemption style thing, right. that that could happen. Um, I think the same thing applies. Well, no, it doesn't because they would have two. Never mind. I was going to talk about the next team we, we may need to be talking about, but yeah, this this uh, this six, this group of six here, in my eyes, could, it does kind of look like it um, for for right now. But but things change in college football, which is why we love this stupid sport. Oh, it is, yes. Sorry, it is six. I'm very good at math, bud. We could actually just do a sixteen playoff. Um, who I would add. I mean, you would do a one-two, and then kind of like the NFL does it, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't know. I, I, we, we might have a seventh team. We might have an eighth team, depending on how we track through conference play. That could be wishful thinking on my part. But if we did have an eighth and it wasn't Oregon, I, I do think there would be a separation. So let's just be honest about it and say it's this group. Um, as far as not see, like fewer and fewer upsets, I would agree with you that it's, I don't think it's going to happen in the short term. And I do think there's a separation still emerging with all of these schools. You know, maybe maybe not one of these SEC schools and we don't know which one yet because it's really hard to have three in one conference. But I do think the superpower era is upon us. It doesn't mean they won't get upset, though. I mean, they could still lose. I just think that it's going to get chalkier and chalkier at the top as we go until we change some things or you find a usurper. Um, so speaking of usurpers, bud, speaking of silky smooth transitions, um, we have Texas, who is back because they're back every year. Um, they're on a bye this week. They're going to play West Virginia and go into Red River against an Oklahoma team that hasn't really been challenged either. But I just feel like it's perpetual referendum time, and we just got done saying that, okay, Texas did everything it was supposed to, didn't really change. What I said on the hurry up was that Texas didn't look any any less or more Texas than they have under Tom Herman. They were just five points better than Oklahoma State on one partic- in one particular game. And it's a monumental monkey to get off your back. But they haven't really changed. I'm actually here to tell you, I, I was more impressed with Texas than I thought I would be what, in this what, game. What was um, it that stuck out to you? Because it felt, to, just to the naked eye, it seemed like another Texas-type performance. They just had a little bit better, I mean, it was just a, a possession game that favored Texas this time. Well, they, they had a they had a two-score lead with, like, what, two and a half minutes left. Uh, so, I mean, that, that was, that suggests to me they outplayed um Oklahoma State more than the score. They also they outgained Oklahoma State by thirty uh, percent on a per play basis, uh, seven point to five point five, which is very good. Um, the, the only real reason Oklahoma State was even that close in this game, and look, I bet Oklahoma State and won. We took plus seven and a half on the Sunday Twitch show. It's twitch.tv slash Banner Society every Sunday at two. Plug it. Uh, the only reason that this game was even reasonably close was Texas fumbled two punts. If you don't have that, this might be a, like a runaway blowout. Uh, Texas did a very good job of limiting Oklahoma State's hitting big plays, which is something Oklahoma State did the prior week. Uh, Spencer Sanders, 19 of 32. You know, they, they sacked him twice. They, they, they picked him twice. Um, Ellinger is like that, – that's not really that explosive of a passing offense when they don't have the benefit of run action. So I'm talking about like when they actually have to get into passing downs, they're they're not that great mm-hmm. because everybody knows they're going to pass, and he's not that great of a, a passer like that. But as far as a lot of this RPO stuff, where you know he's able to to basically make the defense account for the run and the pass, dude, he is so efficient. He usually takes pretty good care of the ball. He was 20 of 28 for 280, um, and they have a lot of weapons on the outside who they can use. I mean, du- Duvernay is a kid who I I really liked. Uh, in high school just because he kind of ran like a running back, but he had that like elite receiver top gear as well, and they're getting him the ball in space. He's doing a good job. I, I think this is a good Oklahoma State team. Uh, and Texas, if you kind of drill down to the actual you know play-to-play type stuff, I think they were – they showed they were far superior. So I we had that real question a couple weeks back, kind of is Texas a clear two? We thought they were, but we wanted to see him prove it. And in, in the Big 12, like – was Iowa State a clear three? Is is somebody else? Uh, you know, how do you factor in TCU and Kansas State and Baylor and Texas Tech and um, 
I think we're always missing one here, but uh, I think we're kind of getting some answers here in the Big 12, and this is going to be a revealing weekend uh, in the Big 12 as well with, with a lot of uh, a lot of important conference games going on. we got K-State going to Oklahoma State. We have uh, Iowa State going to Baylor. Texas Tech, without its quarterback, goes to Oklahoma. And while we're on the topic of injuries, I should note uh, almost all of Texas's secondary is going to be out for Red River, it looks like, at this point. That's that's bad for them. Texas is on a bye this week, and then they have West Virginia next week before going into Red River. But so is it injury wise for Texas? Yeah, uh, Marcus Tillman, linebacker, out for season. Caden Stearns out indefinitely. He's one of their one of their best DBs. Jalen Green, one of their best DBs, out indefinitely. Josh Thompson, one of their one of their better DBs, and guy who would have to play uh, out indefinitely. Those are all new injuries. B.J. Foster, uh, who, who was hurt the week prior, out indefinitely. I mean, dude, they're running out of DBs, and Oklahoma is not really the team that I'd recommend playing if you're going to be with like an entire backup secondary. Uh, yeah, that's uh, they, they're going to need to get out to a lead in that game if they want to have any shot because playing from behind there is is going to be a struggle. Would it be palatable if they lose to Oklahoma, win every other game, and you step back and say, "Okay, here's where we are in this in this project." You're you're back you're back to being the second team in this conference and the team that has the best shot of of fixing itself to get to Oklahoma's level. So in other words, like not where you ever wanted to be, where you spent a substantial amount of time the last twenty years. At least you're back there now, and you're not losing to Kansas, and you're not losing to Baylor, and you are, and I you are you are an identifiable rival when you're talking about talent on the roster is that okay for texas this year it kind of has to be right because they're not gonna they're not leapfrogging oklahoma this season hell i I think if texas goes nine and three or better that's success okay i thought i I thought they would go eight and four um i mean they have a real i don't want to say excuse they have a legitimate because excuse when we say excuse it sounds like oh you know something that shouldn't count they have a legitimate reason if they lose to oklahoma right literally they might have a almost all of their starters out on defense and that's that's going to be a problem um I think I think the, the year for Texas is probably next year by the way it's not like Ellinger is going to go pro right we, we, you don't think he's like a pro quarterback do you probably I mean, I mean the, I the way th- he throws the ball I think they're getting him back I'll put it that way yeah like he's not going to go pro early is what, what I'm saying correct um I wouldn't think so look why not like I think Texas is going to be pretty good next year. If you look at their roster, there's not that many important seniors on, on this roster, right? You have I think, two offensive line starters. Um, you lose Colin Johnson, but they've recruited extremely well at the receiver position. You're going to have, you know, a, a senior in Cam Ellinger. Um, the D line, almost everybody comes back except Malcolm Roach. The the backers are are fairly young, um, and almost all the secondary is like talk about the injured guys here are super talented sophomores, so none of them are really eligible to leave. I, I think Texas is going to be a very good team next year, like legitimately Big 12 title, maybe favorite, okay. uh, depending on what happens with Oklahoma's quarterback. All right, bud, I'm setting my timer now because um, we just did the tasting menu. It's a uh, – oh, I said workmanlike week. I'll put it that way. We're going to do your look-ahead lines for week six because, you know, honestly, people love it. People love projecting against, like, for some reason, two, three weeks out of a big game, watching those lines move is just a, it's a big deal. Um, however, bud, you live in Florida. You currently live in Orlando. I am giving you exactly two minutes. 
I am going to say nothing. I'll tell you when to start. You get to, like a baby panda in a pile of leaves, roll around in the loss that UCF took at Pitt. You have two minutes starting now. I think UCF could be such a, such a likable program if they didn't kind of act the way they did. Um, but you know, when, when you when you play that schedule and what four or five of the opponents you play are bottom ninety, bottom one hundred teams, I'm going to need you to get up and win your big games because you basically have six or seven built-in bye weeks if you count the two bye weeks plus you know teams like ECU and uh, I mean now Houston w- w- without Derek King and. You're getting USF, who's terrible. You, you played Florida A&M. Uh, Stanford is one of the worst teams in the entire nation right now. You, you get UConn. Uh, I I need you to beat a Pitt team, right? And you go on the road and you you lose to Pitt, and at least it happened early, so we don't have to hear about this national title nonsense. You know, your strength of schedule is well outside the top 100 nationally. It, it's it is a different thing to have to play Power Five teams on a weekly basis. They have a different caliber of athlete and player. Not then every team in the Power Five, but on average, the teams you play in the Power Five are a lot better than your average G5 team. Simply the quality of athlete and especially the quality of the depth. And I I do wonder how UCF would do if it had to play games where it had to play starters almost the entire game more often. With their current schedule, there's not many games they have to get up for. Right now on their schedule by SP+, they play zero teams in the top 45 in the nation. Temple is 46th. Cincinnati is 59th. Got 25 I mean, seconds. That's a that's a joke of a schedule, and thank God they got the L now, so we don't have to hear about them being playoff bound or allegedly playoff bound. 15 seconds remaining. I'm just going to say this. Shut up. God, shut up. I'm going to be meaner than Bud was. I hate that you've put me in this situation. This entire podcast was built on stumping for the idea of whole hog consumption of college football and the celebration of the group of five, and that every back-ass words fan base across this country, no matter how small or irrelevant the school was, was worth something. They mattered. UCF has demonized and weaponized every aspect of usurper insurgent culture in the group of five and turned it into the most annoying shit in college football. You deserve this loss. I hope you take another one. I can't believe I'm saying this. I always want to pull for the G5 school to get as far as possible. I do think the playoff is rigged against you, but you alone have made this so fucking annoying that no one, even people like me, who openly have a bias for the group of five, want you to succeed. You deserved every bit of losing to Pitt. I hope you lose three more games. Change your attitude and come back. And also, your stadium's not that intimidating, okay? Anybody can drop a pile of aluminum in the middle of a swamp in Orlando. All of a sudden, wow, oh my God, it's Tiger Stadium. It's not. Shut up. Okay. All right. Uh, you did really well so far this season, bud. 28-1. and one. It's, uh, Yeah, uh, finally had a week that matched our, our – I, mean, I don't want to be all processed for Jolt's guy here, but we were seeing really good movement uh, on our bets in terms of what we're taking on Sundays and what the market finishes at. I mean, we're hitting over 75% of the bets go in our favor as far as where the market ends up. And through a couple of weeks, I was really kind of annoyed, like not depressed or nothing. Cause I, I knew what we were doing was good. If you believe in an efficient market, but I was kind of thinking, man, one of these weeks is going to go in our favor in a big way. And uh, 28 and one, we'll get it done. That, so, we'll get it done. All right. That, let's, uh, yeah. let's look at these look ahead lines for week six. I'm just gonna, All right, so uh, yeah, this is something we started doing. I just basically take my numbers and try to guess at what the lines might be, not for this week's games, but for the following week's games. Okay. 
Uh, I was thinking Auburn, uh, they go to Florida. UF is undefeated. I have some questions about them. Their ability to run the football is down this year. We also really haven't seen Kyle Trask have to pass with pressure in his face, but he's done a great job uh, so far against the slate that he's had to play, which is you know out of his control. Uh, I have Florida by two. If, if I get Auburn and more than a field goal, uh, I, I'll be taking Auburn in that game most likely. Yeah, I feel like a field goal is good there. Um, I, I We just got done on the on the menu talking about is Auburn going to get the Willie Gay defense with Mississippi State or not? I think that's a huge, huge difference. Um, I think either way, we won't really change too much of a narrative on Auburn. So, yeah, I like that one. Uh, the next one's interesting. So West Virginia seems to have righted the ship a little bit. Yeah. Offensively, uh, Texas with, with, with all those DBs out. Uh, I, I don't know how much that's going to impact the spread. A lot of people don't pay much attention to injuries in college football, which is, I think, a market inefficiency uh, that can be exploited. In the NFL, you have injury reports all the time. It's all standardized, and that stuff really matters. In college, not as much attention is paid to it, mostly because a lot of the players who are not quarterbacks are, are not household names, uh, and the lack of fantasy football also impacts the uh, the awareness of players. But I have Texas laying 13 at West Virginia, um, Texas offense looks really good. West Virginia's defense is is not good. They did manage to beat Kansas, pretty close game there. Uh, but congrats on West Virginia for not finishing last in the Big 12. Getting a lot of flack from West Virginia fans. They think they will not finish ninth in the Big 12, and I'm still going to – Who are they beating? Who- well, that's the other question. Yeah, like who do you actually have West Virginia beating at this point? I'm not as mean as Bud, but – you're probably the ninth best team in your conference this year, guys. Uh, Cal at Oregon. You've got Oregon uh, a 16-point favorite. Feels right. Yeah, so Cal uh, has played great defense most of the year. Weirdly kind of won the game with their offense against uh, against Ole Miss. And we have a little bit of disagreement. I, unless I see a different angle, I, I don't think he scored. Oh, the, the play? I think I've seen it from a couple different ways and seen both people's sides of it. I think it was more about the inefficiency of the Pac-12 crew and the fact they didn't call it up. So if that alone gives you an extra second um, or at least another set of eyes, I think more than anything else, it deserved a review. Um, is that being screwed? Sure, you can say that in the moment. My my stance on that game is that Cal is the far better football team and that Really, even with that, Ole Miss still had a chance until they had horrible game management and play calling. So take that for what you will. So, yes, I will let Ole Miss fans think they got screwed if they are willing to acknowledge that at every other in every other aspect of this game, they were surrounded by their own inefficiency and their own incompetence. So, yeah. Uh, Cal is a weird eval for me, but Oregon is as well, right? Oregon has not played a single good offense yet. I don't – look, man, I keep saying Oregon all the time. Like, we were talking about those top tier and, and just – Honestly, I think it's me just saying, hey, like maybe the entire West Coast isn't dead. We, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, I think if you go back to the week one game, they win it more than half the time. Um, but I'm still not sold. That's fair. That's entirely fair. Cal, on the other hand, Cal, uh, they're a, uh, what are they, 100 and, they're 92nd in offense in the nation. Yeah. So no, they're not good. Yeah, that offense is, is pretty trash. Old Miss should feel bad about allowing twenty eight points. Um, um, you know what? What Stanford is in a, a pretty unique situation right now relative to the consistency that they've had in that program. Um, other than that, I mean, Oregon's played Nevada and Montana, so we we just don't know. They're in a bye week as well this week, so uh, I don't do you, think. I mean, Stanford legitimately might finish like four and eight, three and nine. 
Oh, totally possible. I really. I, mean, I only have them favored uh, in two two more games. Yeah, this one this weekend at Oregon State and UCLA. It's not good. It's not good. Uh, Bud, you've got Iowa and Michigan. Michigan uh, favored by three and a half. Yeah, and this is one that just looking at the current market, looking at my numbers, that's that's what I think it's going to be. Uh, Iowa's offense is not that great, and yet, man, if this comes out like at two. I'm not going to feel that great about betting Michigan with how inconsistent they've been so far. You know? um, yeah, I would I would line up with that. Um, the game being in Ann Arbor, Iowa has one of the more uh, palpable home field effects on teams. I don't know if it's advantages. I've had two different uh, Big Ten staff say that they cannot understand why, like from coaching to players, decision making, all of it, execution, things are just different and harder in Iowa City. It's weird. You don't hear that about it. It's funny because, like, the elite talent, when you talk about the top end of the SEC or in Oklahoma or Ohio State or whatever, like, when those teams play each other, all that stuff tends to cancel out. In other words, like, if Ohio State went to play Georgia, no matter how raucous Georgia might be, Ohio State's never going to grant you anything about that because they're just conditioned to it. It's like the NFL almost, right? But when you have that second-tier, third-tier team that kind of surprises you, jumps up on you a little bit like that, um, that's when it still is like an actual intangible that affects the game, I think. But all that being said, this game's in Ann Arbor, so I like Michigan. Uh, I've got Baylor going to Kansas State and Kansas State giving four uh, to Baylor. Interesting, the markets are kind of shifted on Baylor, as have I. Uh, that game this weekend opened with Baylor as, I think, a two-and-a-half or three-and-a-half point favorite, and, of course, we, we took Iowa State. And uh, Iowa State's actually now favored by... Uh, where are we at here? I'll vamp for a second. That was Richard's. Iowa pick. State's now favored by two and a half, and they, they opened up a three and a half point dog. But so that was a, that was a shift. that was Richard's pick on the menu for the time slot, and uh, it's telling. Um, it's telling in a lot of ways. Again, big picture, I think that Baylor could show a little proof of concept in the Matt Rule era for the first time this year in a substantial way. This is sort of the year where you do that, at least on schedule. Uh, or, they could, or they could lose this week in Iowa State and lose to Kansas State. And people are going to be down. And you know what's weird, bud? If that happens, I wouldn't put that on Matt Rule at all because I do think that bringing that program back in a completely different way in which Art Briles built it is not anything that that's – what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, it, doing that is no guarantee at all. So it'll be very interesting to watch those guys. BC at Louisville, you've got uh, Louisville's five-point favorites with a little asterisk, a Dazio fired game. Is that a so question BC, for me? BC's defense is exactly as bad as we thought it was going to be. Yes. Um, it just kind of hid for about two weeks when they played a like an FCS team and they played Virginia Tech, which I didn't realize how bad BT's offense was. And so for two weeks, I was kind of doubting myself and thinking, man, I was out here on a limb. I was saying BC was going to have the worst defense in the ACC and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. nope, it looks like I was right on that one. Um, BC's defense – they gave up, I think, over six yards of play to Rutgers. The only thing that saved them was Rutgers screwing around a little bit when they got in the red zone. Uh, and this game is for last place in the Atlantic. And I think if you're BC and you lose to a Louisville team that was what are they two and ten last year, three and nine, something like that, when they, when they quit on Petrino, um, you go down there, and you lose to Louisville. Like, I don't, I don't know what conference game Boston College is going to win. Like I, 
I don't think they're going to lose out, but I think there's a good chance they go four and eight or five and seven. Uh, we preach against comparative analysis all the time in terms of week to week, game to game, but uh, I don't give a shit about that, bud, because Boston College gave up 48 points to Kansas. So as far as I'm concerned, they're the assiest team in college football. Yeah, that, they're they're real bad. They also get yeah 6.33 yards of play allowed uh, to Rutgers, and uh, hmm, the only that really saved them was was BC's ex- BC's execution in the red zone when it had the ball was tremendous. And uh, and and Rutgers uh, was not very good in the red zone. But last one, you've got the uh, team we just hollered about, Central Florida, nine-point favorites on the road at Cincinnati. Here's what I can tell you about this game, bud. I don't know if it would affect you setting a line. Um, when I interviewed Luke Fickle, we, he talked a lot about how they consider teams like UCF to be of a, of a different caliber and how they measure themselves against it. And really... There's no natural rivalry here by any stretch, but when you look at the way that um, Cincinnati was ahead of schedule, building back their roster, at least in terms of wins, not always a good metric, by the way, to determine a roster's strength or depth, but they won a lot of football games faster than people thought. UCF is like this calendar circle kind of thing that they've got going, so I expect them to be a little bit more out of their skin than usual. Um, I don't know if that matters, because if you if you are looking at roster talent, UCF is still very much the better football team. Well, it matters a little bit to me, yeah. Um, like, like motivational stuff, things are looking ahead to. The issue here is that UCF gets one of its basically bye weeks. That's not that's not truly a bye week, and, and they, they have UConn coming to town this weekend. So if you're UCF in practice this week, not only you got to get your head right after a loss, but you can wrap some Cincinnati type type concepts because you're going to beat the doors off UConn. I mean, what, what are you win by twenty four or forty four? It's it's not going to be close. Um, Cincinnati has a game in which. I think they're an underdog right now at Marshall. They don't they don't get a lot of prep time for the, for this UCF game and right now Cincinnati's passing game man it's it's not real good. Their run game has also been kind of poor though. Their their offense right now at least SP plus has them 100th in the nation. This now, actually got uh, let me just jump in for a second. This game got buried on the tasting menu because it's on Facebook and so we did it doesn't show up on our viewing schedule. This to me is a huge game. And I'll mention this uh you you already know this when you hear this, but I'll mention this in the intro as well. This is a huge game because bud, we uh we need to take a note for ourselves because this may be one of the years where we have to explain the qualifier system at Marshall, how they can suddenly get so good particular years. I think we're looking at one of those years. I definitely think that's possible. Marshall's, I mean, they're they're not great, honestly. Like they're fine. The issue with Cincinnati, uh, we thought they were going to be like a top, maybe like a top forty type team. Yeah. In the preseason, I did. And they're trending down to be like a bottom half team in college football. Dude, they're, I don't think they're going to finish in like the top sixty five. Top like maybe it's not top sixty five, but I don't think they're going to be back to being like a top forty five team this year. I, I think they're going to win between six and eight games in the regular season. Um, their offense is just terrible. Not a lot of data points. I'll give them that. Um, trying to stump here for the Bearcats. Here's the other, the other thing why I made this nine, by the way, because I think most of the power numbers uh, say this should be 10, 10 and a half. I made it nine because I, it is a conference game. It's hard to go lay that many points on, on the road. So I did give Cincinnati some favor. If it wasn't that big of a deal to Cincinnati, I would have made it even even larger, like over 10. It's in Nippert on a Friday night. They usually turn out pretty big for that, and they will, exactly. they will make that a game up there. Um, I do say this a lot, and I'll say it again. Uh, really, really fun environment in that stadium. The way the buildings and the noise work, and and it's dug in like they can turn that into something against UCF, definitely. So, uh, but real quick before we get out of here, anything you want to tell me about lines this weekend? Sort of lackluster. 
the one thing I really noticed this weekend was when, when these came out, I think Vegas had some incorrect teams favored. Like we took UAB as a dog at Western Kentucky plus four and a half, and now it's shifted to to, to three point favorite for for UAB. Like wait, it's wait, not wait, a slam wait, dunk wait, win whoa, for whoa. UAB. Will you say that one more? T- so so Vegas had UAB as a dog going to Bowling Green. Uh yeah, at, not not Bowling Green University. No 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 UAB, Bowling Green. UAB, sorry yeah. yeah Bowling Green Kentucky. Sorry. Uh yeah uh, yeah they came out as four what? and a half point four and a half point dogs. I was like yeah I'm gonna take that. I I, I thought the can game I take was that right now. Uh, no, you can take and lay three points, which I would not do because I actually no. have that basically. I have that as a toss up. Damn, bud, um, you should have sent out like an all like a, an all staff memo or something. That's ridiculous. In what in what universe? Wait, what? How does this happen, bud? Uh, Buffalo was catching five at Miami, Ohio. We took that. Now, now they're favored by two. So, That's so a nice little how, how do these? How do you? This seems to be like a gross error for for someone who doesn't gamble, doesn't understand it completely. How does this happen? Well, uh, these books out there are not, not going to say in a rush, but they are. Uh, number one, the limits are not that high, right? You can't get down ten grand on, on, on a game on a Sunday. But like I've been telling our listeners and, and viewers, most of y'all don't need to do that. I would think, and if you do, you're probably not listening to me. You probably have your own modeling systems and all that, all that good jazz. But for the rest of us who are probably trying to get down, I don't know, five hundred, hundred fifty bucks, whatever. Hell, maybe even less, depending if you're just kind of starting out. Like, there's some good opportunities on on Sundays, right, when he's come out. And because the books want to be the first to get him out, I don't know that they necessarily have that much time to go over what they're putting out all the time. And they have NFL Sunday to worry about, which is, like, a lot bigger moneymaker for them. We should point um, out, too, Bud, you you also dabble in some pretty horrific areas in, in terms of gambling because you look for market inefficiencies, what was the one that you told us this summer where I was like blown away that you? you oh, Little League. Yeah, Little League, and then did you? Someone told me before that hockey has a lot of like misinformation in it, and you can exploit that. There's like all all the stuff that you wouldn't think to bet on because people aren't thinking to bet on it. You can actually work those lines. That's what I was told. I know some guys who are very successful hockey betters, but I can't share that because it's not like my stuff to share. Right. Um, Interesting. You know, but yeah. Uh, like Iowa State came out as a dog. I had them. I had them. I thought they should be like a one point favorite at Baylor. So we went ahead and took Iowa State. Now they're two and a half. Um, Duke came out six and a half at Virginia Tech. Now it's down to three. I think Duke might win outright. Wake Forest came out a three point favorite at Boston College. That's the other the other angle on this anxiety bowl for uh, for BC. I think Wake can go in there and beat them this weekend. Yeah, I was going to ask you when we were talking BC. It does seem like Wake's a better football team right now. Again, 48 points to Kansas, so I know I'm right. Yeah, and 6.3 yards to play to Rutgers. And with Rutgers' backup quarterback, who is not good. Um, so, Bud Elliott, make your money. I'll see you next week.